0: It's like mentally, yes, I need to make this change. But then when it gets down to changing habits, which is connected to emotion, it's hard. And so leading organizations through that change is a real honor and a privilege for us. Um, It's just, it's difficult. And there's a lot of walking them through that Uh, because again, software is a big change. Again. Hey, George. Good to be here today. What do you have for us?
1: What would you say we do here at CREMA? Mm,
0: love <laughs> that question. That's a good question.
1: It's as if we prepared for it.
0: I'm going to answer that question. So at CREMA, we design and build custom software applications, period. Actually, there's more to it. So we work with large companies, enterprises, to innovate with them, uh, strategize with them, really be in the same room so that we can pull out ideas and then help them craft a path, so to speak, to solve some of their biggest business problems. And we do that through technology and design and a lot of strategy services as well. So what that ends up looking like is um, helping them from an operational standpoint or um, communication standpoint, internal external operate better, um, whatever will help them um, accomplish their
1: goals. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. That push. was a lot, wasn't that? You covered a lot. That you covered a, was lot. a lot. You might have gone a little further than I thought you would, but I kind of oh, like it. Oh, but I know it's fine. It's fine.
0: I went down um, a road, the road less traveled. Maybe no, Sorry.
1: yeah. I mean, it's pretty well traveled. We talk about it a lot, so <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, okay, so that's great. so we we design and build web and mobile applications um, mostly for enterprises, sometimes medium small small companies, but mostly for enterprises. and um, we do that through services involving strategy, product design, product management development, the whole the whole product team spectrum.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. you kind of started to touch on it, but yeah. Why, why why, do people hire us? What, what is it that they're trying to do mm-hmm. that they need custom software?
0: Right. So I hinted on it a little bit, but the key question is that we go into, I mean, we, we get to the answer through a lot of different questions um, in our sales process and in our um, strategy process, but really we're trying to help them work better. We're trying to help them, um, deliver their services better. And that can go a lot of different ways. So one in particular might be, um, from a sales standpoint. So mm. quite a few clients in the past, we've built software to help them sell their services or their products in a more efficient and effective way. So they might come in, um, asking us to help them think, how do we get our product? Uh, how do we distribute our product more effectively to our customers or, how do we reduce our cost of sales? How do we make the experience of buying from us more delightful, Mm -hmm. um, more appealing so that it doesn't take as many steps through their current software or whatnot? So we will come alongside them through a full product team, like you said, from a design and development standpoint, um, quality assurance and test engineering, as well as manage and uh, be a key strategic partner for them to make sure that we are headed down the right road. And yeah, we can unpack that part of yeah. it uh, for a couple hours as to what does it mean to continue headed down a road that um, is both good for the client, but also good for their customers as well.
1: Yeah. And that's, I think that's what I want to maybe drill into a little bit here because it's, it's nuanced. There's, there's lots of reason. We talked about this before that software is eating the world. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and that is one, it's why CREMA exists is because we are in a position to help people build solutions to challenges or opportunities, primarily through designing and building software.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when we say software, just to be really super clear, primarily we're building on cloud-based or web-based right. software solutions. And um, occasionally those will have a mobile interface, a web interface, maybe integrated with IoT or third-party systems. Mm-hmm. So I got nerdy there for a second, just to talk about kind of like, what does that actually tangibly look like? Right. But I want to, I want to go back a little bit, maybe even further back up before we start talking too much about kind of what we do. And, and can, I just want to push us, keep going back into that. Why? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things you mentioned sales, mm-hmm. but even the, the why of sale, like what's the kind of general themes that we are tr- trying to solve for? Um, and I think you did mention one, like get, getting sales done, mm-hmm. um, I mean, here's what software is great at. Software is great at what humans do manually. It can do at scale. Right. So once humans figure out like, this is the best way to do something, but we would need to hire 7,000 people to do that at scale. Oh, cool. Is that a task that a piece of software could either facilitate or completely do Mm -hmm. so that we can... We can operate at scale. I can right. sell one thing to a million people. I can right. I can have an organization that has twenty five thousand employees communicate effectively and be mm-hmm. aligned around the mission, the vision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that also plays into automation of of workflows. Right. So you mentioned sales. We built we've built solutions where it's like we've got a fleet of people building pros, um, pr- building uh, proposals, mm-hmm. right? Well, you could just have a form that you fill out and those proposals get automatically generated mm-hmm. not so that we can go remove people's jobs. That's not our goal, but so that they can focus on more creative activities. Right. Um, oftentimes there's a, the kind of the, and Nate's talked about this a lot, the, re, the, the, the return on investment of creating custom software is either sell more things because mm-hmm. we can move faster yep. or we reduce time so that we can save cost. Right. You know, it's kind of the two ends of the business spectrum.
0: Right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And then sometimes uh, clients are looking to gain uh, market share through, um, oh, I'll just say better branding yeah. or clearly identifying themselves as an innovative, innovative leader, someone who thinks differently. And sometimes we might build an application that is purely to show off. It's I'm, to highlight their, hey, it look is what at it how is, right. strategic we are. Yeah, look at how we think. We think differently than our competitors. And so we'll work with them on some wow pieces to help them to highlight how they work. Um, but it creates better brand aware- awareness, can help with their brand equity. And it's a great show-off piece to bring other people into, or potential customers, into their sphere of influence to say, oh, interesting, this client is doing Or this person is this company is building this way. They're thinking this way. I bet you they could they could help us. So we've we've worked on some in the past. Most I would say for the most part over the last five years, our focus has been in how do we help them be better at what they do. How do we how do we help them
1: run organizations better?
0: Run better, deliver better, increase or scale and size, uh, generate more revenue, whatever that may be. But uh, every once in a while we do get one to where it's how can you help us increase our brand equity.
1: And sometimes it's actually increasing the brand equity with a demonstration that we have a tool like this in-house that's going to actually make your interaction with us better. Mm -hmm. So when we've worked with some cybersecurity clients in the past, some of the things that we built were were truly just analyst platforms, right? But which every cybersecurity firm offers, but we build them with a really high level of UX, um, really simple ways to to take large amounts of data, billions mm. of events in these big organizations, narrow it down into like one graph right, or one visualization. And then all of a sudden you have this like powerful thing that people go, you know what, this cybersecurity and this cybersecurity is a one-to-one service offering, mm-hmm. but this one has a presentation that mm-hmm. makes me trust them just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so that's mostly where we, but still that's most, it's still an internal tool. Right. Um, it's not. So just to be clear for what we don't do, maybe that's something to mention for the most part, we will occasionally take these projects on, but we don't, we're not a marketing advertising or communications PR right. firm. So we're not usually building out big CMS websites, um, communication platforms for advertising, big campaign experiential work though. Don't get me wrong. The creative inside of me is like, Oh, that would be so much fun to do. Cause some of those are just really beautiful and really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly we're building tools to help companies and organizations run better.
0: Right. Yeah. When we step into kind of that, that wow, or that show off atmosphere, we are, it's really an experiential sales enablement tool. Yeah. So it connects right back to sales. So, um, case in point, a client of ours might invite one of their customers into their offices where we've designed a show off piece or an application that can show what they do. And it, 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 there's that wow factor client sits down. It's like, wow, if you can do that, yep. then I'm going to work with you. And it's no different than when we're doing our own personal consumption online of totally, we go there, we click on a site and it's like, Whoa, this one looks nicer than this one. I so trust emotionally, it. Emotionally I trust it more. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Yep.
1: But for whatever reason we still trust Wikipedia. That's a, that's a whole nother thing. Oh. <laughs> Yes.
0: Wikipedia is the best ever.
1: <laughs> I love it. As a history buff, I know that you can go down that rabbit hole for a long time. Um, okay. So we talked a little bit about kind of the, the why or what, what are the themes, but, but let's be honest, a lot of the solutions we're building, mm-hmm. there have been massive SaaS organizations or licensed software organizations that have built these solutions. Why don't okay. people just buy off the shelf? Yeah. But it's a lot cheaper than paying, you know, a custom software development agency or hiring a, a whole staff of developers and, and engineers and designers and product managers. Why, why go build custom? Why not just go buy something that already exists?
0: Yeah, good question. So uh, when we talk about something off the shelf or that already exists, I'll use an example that we use all the so QuickBooks Online. Sure. Um, it's off the shelf. We didn't build our own proprietary accounting software, uh, because QuickBooks into it perfected it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it works great. Um, and so how that works is that we have our own instance and all the other millions of companies that use QuickBooks all around the world have their own instance. Uh, you create an account and then you're able to run your organization mm-hmm. off of that. So, so a lot of times clients will come Or prospective clients, and we've had uh, clients that may not be a good fit because um, they may. What might help them is like actually um, the best, you know, route for you. You might consider this solution that's already been built. Yeah, we'll just like literally recommend them
1: the 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 thing we googled.
0: Right, exactly. Um, Or we might recommend this. Plus, we could integrate a, a specific piece or module that you want to have for your. Purposes, whatever that may be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of
1: people build on top of Salesforce, right? I mean, like it's right. It's, That's like, great why build, build another sales CRM when Salesforce has built the biggest, most complicated right. one? There's arguments yeah. against that, but then, but Salesforce doing this great job of creating an ecosystem. You can build integrations on top of it. I get it. Yeah.
0: Right. Where it won't work and where we really serve our clients well when we talk about custom software is when they need something more than what it was built for the what, you know, you might call the common denominator. Right. So uh, we'll ask a series of questions that for whatever reason within their business model, within their industry, they need very specific data points. They need to be able to maybe manipulate data on a dashboard or whatnot in a way that's very specific to their operation. And what we, they have found a lot of times the clients, they'll do their own research. And then when we will do some research with them, there's not something out there that does that for them. Cause right. it's really hard to build a software that does all things for all people. And if you ever find one, be very wary about using <laughs> it because you can't do everything well. Yeah. Uh, they may yeah. go, you know, an inch deep in so many things. And for a while it's like, okay, this is pretty cool. But after a while it's like, oh, we need something that's more flexible, that is more custom to us because it just, it's not robust enough.
1: Well, um, let's be honest. Anytime a client comes to us and says, okay, what I want to build is literally the one software to rule the entire organization. It won't integrate with anything else. It'll do everything that all the other apps do under one monolithic structure will be, we basically go, please go away. <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't right. want to build that. Um, right. it won't, no one will be effective at that. So you're, right. you're absolutely right. And
0: so we'll ask a series of questions and realize, okay, they need some, they have some very specific needs. They could use a couple things from this off the shelf software, but they don't need all of it. Maybe a few, but what they really need are X, Y, and Z, and that's custom to their needs. And so um, that's a really big deal for our clients. Another one is they don't, you don't own the data. Not all and, the time, you, unless it's
1: contractually yeah. very clear that you can get it out. Yeah.
0: yeah, very few opportunities to own the data that you need, or you you might need for your business operations, whatever that looks like. And so, um, and data is a very valuable, very valuable resource for a lot of our clients. Twenty twenty one, yeah, they're going to be using that data for other means, other uh, parts of their business model. Mm-hmm. So if we hear that yeah, the data is extremely important, then custom is usually the way to go because it can be built in a way to where Um, As their customers or their users use that, we've built it um, on the back end to be able to um, parse that data, manipulate that data, use that data in a way that's useful for our client.
1: There's a liability there. Without question. Right. So um, if if an organization is in a, a, we've had, we've had, man, we've had clients come to us and they're like, we're being held hostage by the solution. We did, we did buy off the shelf. We, we did try this. We thought, well, they promised the moon. They promised they would customize it to us. They promised they would do X, Y, and Z, but we're the outlier. And what we really need is this thing. that's just to the next of it, just right. You know, just a little off from kind of what they provide. They don't want to build that for us because that's not what anybody else is asking for. It'd be too expensive mm-hmm. for them to do that. And they won't give us our data back. Well, <laughs> right. okay. Now we're screwed. Right. And let's say, now, some of this is outside of your control, especially as you start thinking about building things in the cloud. But let's say that the, the, the platform crashes, or let's say they go out of business. Mm-hmm. You know, like we use Slack, right? Slack is our primary communication tool inside of Crema. As soon as you become an employee, you stop emailing and you only use Slack to communicate um, or Asana or a project management tool. All these are SaaS tools, but if for some reason Jira were to say we're pulling the plug we no longer want to use jira or we're, we're no longer going to support jira and we're going to shut it down tomorrow mm. we are we're in a tough spot because our backlogs right. for like all of our software solutions are in jira tickets right or same thing with slack if slack were to go away our entire organizational norms would have to change because we rely so heavily on slack right um, right to the point where slack does go down sometimes and we're like how do mm-hmm. we operate like but If you own the solution Mm -hmm. and something happens, which it will, it's software, it has bugs, it's servers go down, there's outages, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You now have the control to say, my priority all shifts to that. Like we can go fix that. We can address it. We can, we can, we can say that's important to us. Whereas that may not be important to Slack that the whole Western United States is down. Like they're servicing the rest of the world. Right. Right. It's not, you know, I'm I'm exaggerating. That hasn't happened. You get what I'm saying. Like they get to choose where their priorities are. Their customers matter to them. I'm not saying they don't, but their Mm -hmm. priorities are, are, again, that common denominator. Yep. The other
0: benefit to starting um, down the road of building your own custom software is that you can start very small Mm -hmm. and see it as an investment that you're going to invest into over a long period of time. So if you determine that there are one or two core features that you need, so picture an off-the-shelf project uh, product, it can do 20 things. You only need two. Mm-hmm. Well, then as the owner of the software, you can start with those two because you know that maybe... By building these two, will our effectiveness or productivity or whatever will go up 40%. Yeah. Great. Then start on those two, knowing that you'll build into it down the road and the savings of that 40% in productivity or whatnot can be your recurring investment in the product to get the next set of features and then the next set of features. And so you can start small and truly build what either you need internally or what your customers need externally.
1: That's a paradigm shift though. Cause I think a lot of organizations, especially if you're not a software startup mm-hmm. to think that way, when you've in the past always been able to say, I'm going to put a bunch of investment dollars into building a box. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that, I know I will get that exact box and it will make me money because I can sell, you know, that it will have lots of widgets that come out of it. It's a different thing when you talked about your approach there, which is truly lean and agile, which is to say, start small, um, test your assumptions, put value in the world quickly, and learn from it, and then build on top of it. Um, We still struggle with that. We've been doing this for 12 plus years as an organization. It is probably the hardest thing. To work with a client to say, yes, I know you want feature parity with in the Microsoft Office suite, mm-hmm. right? Okay, then come with billions of dollars and come with, you know, 3,000 employees, 3,000 resources for me.
0: And be and, willing to wait for a good two years.
1: Oh, Three 10 years. years, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, in, And that, that is, that's a paradigm shift to to think, okay, if I'm going to start, if I'm going to pivot to becoming a technology organization, to building our own software, we have to work a different way, Right. Um, which we talk a lot about. This is what most of what you've heard on the podcast has been about like how to work differently. Mm -hmm. And the reason that we even talk about that is because of this reason, it's just, it's too expensive. It takes too much time. And you're probably going to build the wrong thing if you, if you don't work differently.
0: Yeah, no. you know a lot of the. Sometimes the the way I think about it is like okay, say you owned a huge factory and you had you know you have this, or thing. <laughs> okay, go with me here. a Second, I'm going. Okay, I'm here. I'm remember here. Here. we're uh, going. Uh, so Harry Potter, he has. uh, oh, you know Potter. he. <laughs> he get what is it? Is it the Nimbus two thousand or whatever oh, yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, that new you number. Know, he has you know he gets it for a gift or whatever from Professor I think McGonagall or whatever. Sure, and it's like it's the upgrade, Uh you know, it's the upgraded piece of uh, machinery. And then, you know, the next year he gets a new broom. Well, if you take it back to like a factory or manufacturer, whenever say you have this really nice piece of machinery, um, and then you invest in a new piece, um, a lot of times you have to retool the machinery. It's not just going to be off the shelf. And so you're planning on depreciating, you know, amortizing, putting money into this piece of machinery Right. For a really long time, because you know that it's a game changer for you. You know that it's going to, again, going back to whatever metrics are important to you, you invest that much into a piece of machinery, you're going to continue to maintain it, enhance it, whatever that may look like. Software is no different for a Mm -hmm. company. So Mm -hmm. even though you may not be a manufacturer and you may not be in, you know, you may not have factories, you still are a tech company and you still have a business and you're investing in resources. And if software is something you're investing in, it's not just a one and done. You're continually building on top of it. So if you're building custom software, starting small is great because again, you continue to invest in it to make your business better, make your employees happier. Um, Again, it's a long game. You're continually investing in software. It's not a one and done. And that's something that if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking like, how can software technology change my business? Um, one, you might already be behind the game. Just yeah, throw it yeah, out yeah. there. Yeah, if you're still but writing two,
1: paper reports, yeah. but try a try copy, try copy. Yeah,
0: it's again, technology, it, it's, it's, it is an investment. It is an yeah. asset that you're going to continue to put um, investment
1: into over the long haul. I think we're really at the stage in the evolution of the software economy of that is truly the decision. Do we move towards investing heavily into a centralized SaaS-based cloud computing solution mm-hmm. all in, or do we build our own or components of our own? Do, how, do, how do we build something that's going to differentiate us either from intellectual property, so a portion of our business will become SaaS? Mm-hmm. Right, we see a lot of service-based companies will try that they will move towards having a software offering next to their service offering. We right. talked about we've talked about that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it's the kind of the reasons to build custom software are: are you going to become a SaaS company, meaning software as a service? That will be an additional offering, your own intellectual property to have a thing that you can sell, of which you will need to upkeep and work on, and exactly like, is it retool. Or are you going to invest into a custom piece of technology that is like an internal SaaS product, meaning our customers are internal to employees. It's going to help us to scale. It's going to help us to do something that we do repetitively faster. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Those are all those reasons to kind of go build something custom. And right. we're seeing, you know, that's why Crema's grown. We're seeing more and more organizations say the common denominator solutions are not quite right for me. Mm -hmm. we want to make this big investment. We know that the future of work is to be a technology organization. How can we start that path now? Yeah. Not that we haven't been using software for years. They all have been using software for years. I'm not, I think we're, we have to get past what maybe what we used to say 15 years ago, which is like, you might be doing this on paper now. It's time to move to a piece of software. It's like, no, they've been, they've been using modern technology for a long time. Mm -hmm. The question is, is do you want to own the technology? Do you want to own your data? Do you want to own your intellectual property, that's, mm-hmm. that's why you build your own.
0: Yep. And even moving a little bit past the software economy, it's the experience economy is that technology is yeah. not going to just be used. So if you're talking with someone, you know, uh, at dinner or whatnot, and they talk about the software they're building to make their, uh, their company run better, or maybe, Oh, we just had an install. And it's used to, from a human resources standpoint and, Oh, it was a headache, but it's going to make us better. That's one thing. Another thing is, are you using technology, which is still uh, software, but it's used uh, in a way going, kind of going back to that show off piece of right. delighting your customer in the way they experience, i.e. interact with what you're doing, interact with your company. So you talk a lot about space design not not outer space but like interior architecture design customer experience design cx yeah cx yeah as people enter into your physical space um technology is true with your software yeah absolutely and so again technology being a piece of just not how the inner workings of your company but how your customers are going to interact with your company through technology through creativity through that software
1: it's interesting, all of this requires some level of change management. <laughs> Think of it at my personal level, I'm a nerd, right? So I'm gonna try out all the new tech products, mm-hmm. whether it's the newest phone or having, you know, uh, Google homes around our house that you can talk to. Uh, and my wife doesn't, she's not as quite a, of a, a technophile as I am, okay? And so when, when we first got the Google homes, It was like, oh, that's novel. And then it was like, no, please stop talking to the device. Like, no, that I don't want that change in my life. I don't want to be communicating to a device like I do to a human. That that was a change she didn't want. And she still kind of holds to that in some level of principle on certain things. So there's definitely thresholds where I'm like, I know I'm just gonna look at my phone instead of talking to the Google. But there are certain things that she's starting to adopt that she loves that the Google does, whether it's setting a timer for something or, Uh you know, checking on the weather, or there's these small uh, adoptions to change that had I not been like, I'm going to buy six of them. So they're in every room of my house and I'm going to talk to it all the time, which will annoy, like there has to be that kind of early adopter, which we talked a lot about in the startup scene, but also happens inside of uh, organization is who's your early adopter, who's going to be adopting into that new user experience that you just talked about yep. to make this part of who we are. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, I was gonna say that's interesting um, how startups think. So we would pose that organizations at some level, um, whether it's a certain team or it's a common philosophy throughout. Um, but as you get bigger, it's still important to think
1: Gosh, like a start-up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And again, it is different for a very large company, uh, because there's just different structures in place um on all different facets,
1: whether it's resources. Yeah, compliance or, or insurance yeah. or yeah. yeah, protocol.
0: Yeah, or key processes that have been developed <clears throat> over, you know, say two decades. Yeah, norms. Um, this, yeah. This is the way we've done things. But um, as you look at innovation, or you look at, you know. Every company, every year, every three years, what are they're developing? Where are we going? Where's our industry going? Yeah, and um, thinking like a startup or thinking about innovation in a way to where, you know, you have a company or a team of you know word that's used a lot, entrepreneurs versus entrepreneurs. Yep. Um, but in inside people thinking in a way of how can technology help us do dot dot dot. Yep. Whatever that is. How can technology improve? um, help us execute better, whatever that is, deliver better, whatever that may look like. Um, thinking like a startup, not becoming a startup. And I know that when you talk to a lot of big companies, it's like, we're way past that. Come on. We can't, it's like, but you can think like a startup. You can approach a situation like a startup. You can approach a situation with a very open mind, very creative, innovative, imagine the possibilities type of mind mindset.
1: And we've seen to, to that matter, we have seen organizations that actually kind of spun off little startups because it just, it was so much harder to operate that inside of the, the machine that they kind of right. had to spin it off until it got its legs and it could be integrated back in. And, and we've seen that happen, but you're absolutely right. It, it's, they aren't actually, um, aren't actually startups. And so they do have different hoops to jump through. But if you can force yourself back down to say, yeah, but how can I think creatively about like the, what if, how can I think about the potential and then how can I test those potentials rapidly? Mm -hmm. Um, we work best when we do have that type of champion in-house. Yeah. So it's not just someone saying, Hey, go figure out how we should be innovative. Yeah. And get back to me when you do that, you know, we'll just, whenever you got a report, let me know and, and, and show me the return on investment when it's done. Instead, it's someone who owns that. And then we tend to partner with those those groups that are that are incubating inside organizations already. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious uh, if you can go through the archives in your head over the last twelve years. Now we've we've you know we've had, um, transitioned for who we work with uh, less startups, a lot more enterprises. Mm-hmm. But what types of solutions have we built um, over the years?
0: Yeah, several. I mean, again, a general theme is how do we enable companies to work well, to work better. Um, One that we use a lot in stories when you're kind of going down memory lane is um, helping a company build a better lending platform. Now this company was a startup. Uh, They became very large. Um, They uh, merged with a company that made them even larger, but the idea was that it was gonna help small businesses uh, that were brick and mortar small mm-hmm, businesses mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that needed anywhere from like 250 to $500,000. Um, at that point, getting a loan, um, and even now getting a loan for some from like a traditional bank or you know financing may not make sense. Mm-hmm. They were able to provide a different avenue Connecting um those that wanted to invest in kind of what you might think of like a mutual fund on one side Uh um where Mm -hmm. they could have a steady rate of return. Um that money was then able to be loaned to small businesses that really needed it. With a really interesting
1: underwriting process,
0: yeah. So in that instance, the software that we helped build was the conduit to where that transaction was happening. So it actually enabled the sale or the transaction or the the connection between two different parties that um, wanted to be connected to one another. So there's one aspect of a uh, type of software we've built. Um, one you mentioned earlier, which is really great, really good success story for us was just the power of being able to build a software that allows you to do very, I would say very manual mundane work through a lot of people and uh-huh. cut it down to, you know, say 12 from 12 people to two. Right of uh, where they're generating and designing proposals that might so picture uh, an insurance company or any company that might send you annually a new contract. Yeah, here's a new new offerings.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, here's
0: where last year's rates. Here are new year's rates (laughs) and. They have an eye for um, aesthetics, and so they wanted to send something that was, you know, bespoke, unique, and branded kind of to, really the, their to their customer, yeah, yeah. Yep. which is great. But it was requiring way too many hours from way too many people um, mm-hmm. on at this company's uh, headquarters. And so what we were able to do is design a platform to where they could um, create proposals within this platform, deliver them in a matter of, I don't, I don't even know the percentage of what we cut it down to, but it's really, it was astronomical of like, instead of spending 40, say 40 hours on a proposal, spend two, I don't know, whatever that looked like. Um, So what that did is it saved so much time and it allows that company to be like, okay, we have some really creative, innovative people here. Could we now kind of going back to return on investment? Let's focus them on maybe revenue generating activities Mm -hmm. versus, creating these bespoke or custom proposals, um, when we only need one or two people to do it. So again, automation tool, uh, that to help from a proposal standpoint.
1: Yeah. And some others that I can think about are, um, hub and spoke platforms. So we, mm-hmm. we got a chance to partner with a, um, really it was an enterprise, but a, a large nonprofit enterprise, um, for entrepreneurship and they had built this network of entrepreneurs, um, hubs across the mm-hmm. nation and they were having a hard time managing the volunteers and the people that are participating and the people that are coming to these mm-hmm. events. And so we were able to build like an, uh, an all-in like access management platform and um, deploying new communities and then housing content all through you know a custom-built piece of software, moving them actually away from a legacy solution that they had that, again, didn't cut it, didn't have the needs that they, that they wanted to really be flexible with, um, and allowed them to scale from... I don't know, like forty communities up to like one hundred and fifty, right, um, right? and ten, tens of thousands of participants. Yep. Um, so again, it was a scale issue. We've only got a small staff of people that are supporting this community, but we need software to help us to to listen, um, communicate, participate with tens of thousands of of participants out and in, inside of our organization. Now, for them, that happened to be their communities, but it could be internal as well. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then another one that I think we we touch on quite a bit, and we've built actually several solutions in this, is, is hiring platforms. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, everybody's trying to solve the talent gap, whether it's right. we're trying to figure out how to find other employees that are already inside the organization that we mm-hmm. could, you know, literally like, hey, did you know that Jim over in this other place has this skill that you could put to use inside that other team that's lacking it? Or actually saying, how do you match skills and... Uh-huh. Um, and Experience to job opportunities, uh, similar to like a, a LinkedIn job platform or right. career builder or something like that. But again, customized to a unique proposition that this this organization, a couple of organizations had. So we built uh, two of those, kind of two and a half of those, if you will. Right. Um, and so we, it's interesting that we get to see kind of the spectrum of the business life cycle. Mm-hmm. Everything from sales, a little bit of marketing, marketing tech. We integrate with marketing tech. All the way through to how do we hire people to get the job done? Mm-hmm. How do mm-hmm. we, um, how do we, we, we often create dashboards in, analytics tools that, that communicate with leadership. Mm-hmm. Hey, leadership or Hey client that is in a leadership role. You need to understand something at volume without looking at a spreadsheet. Right and trying to analyze the spreadsheet. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna put it into, believe it or not, just as simple as we're gonna put it into something that allows you to to process a large amount of data on one view. Right, Um, yeah. And make this better decisions because of it.
0: So George, as we work with those companies to make these types of solutions, um, there's often challenges, there's opportunities and successes. What's one opportunity, uh, but then also what's one challenge? Um, as we work with clients to either beef up their technology, help them create their first uh, journey of how to use technology for their business? What would you say? One challenge and then one opportunity.
1: Uh, Let's start with the the opportunity. I think the big opportunity, and you've already touched on it a little bit, is when you decide to invest in technology, you, you have the opportunity to potentially do things that create immense value at scale, mm-hmm. right? You have the opportunity to become relevant in a, in a world that is changing very fast and using mm-hmm. technology to do so. And so many organizations, well, they make decisions based off of fear, but their, their biggest fear is becoming irrelevant. That it, that just no. over the, uh, the top of that hill over there, no, that's actually a cliff and no one wants them. And so technology is a way to stay flexible, to to be able to move faster Mm -hmm. and and, um, actually make better decisions. So I think that's where opportunity for software comes into play. And when you create your own, you have the opportunity to utilize that data in unique ways. You have that opportunity to analyze that data in ways that maybe you couldn't if it was inside of somebody else's tool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Challenges, oh, there's a lot of challenges. Um, I would say the biggest challenge that we run into is culture organizations people human beings don't love change change is always good for people most of the time but they don't like it <laughs> not at mm-hmm. first and so when you have when you have a, a new way of thinking which is going to say we're actually going to change even more rapidly but you're it's because the technology is going to be changing even more rapidly right so mm-hmm. you need to you as humans you almost need to keep up with the change the pace of change that technology is going through. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a cultural issue. It's both from a leadership standpoint, Hey, leadership, understand that we need to operate in a new way. Mm-hmm. If we're going to bring technology into our solution, then the, the, the ways of making decisions have to change. Mm-hmm. We need you to not be the bottleneck. We need you to empower us to actually build really creative, fast-moving decision, decision-making machines. Mm-hmm. And and that's hard for leadership. But on the flip side, you also have a workforce that's been like, hey, my job is secure because we right. have a bunch of manual processes in place. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about automating things, that's a threat. Mm-hmm. That means that the, the contribution I had as an employee yesterday may not be that valuable tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so just like the organization, there's this hill and there's a cliff on the other side of the hill. It seems it's true for the individual as well. That, right. hey, I used to write reports or push paper, as I used to say.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's no more paper. Right. What, 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 what do I do now? Well, mm-hmm. then you have to reskill and you have to learn how to, to upskill your, your current workforce. And, mm-hmm. and so that's, it's that constant change. I think um, that goes back to startups are great at that because they do it because they have to organizations struggle with it because it actually is saying, oh, well, something's worked for a long time. And we just assumed it would always work that way.
0: Um, yeah. And the whole, the whole premise of a startup is, is disruption for the yeah. most part. Yeah. A new yeah. way of thinking, a new way of doing
1: right. I wanted to create this entity, this organization, this thing, because I'd been a part of our organizations or I'd seen other organizations they were trying to do. It didn't work. So I thought I could do better.
0: Right. Which right. is the innovator's dilemma, you know, as Clayton yeah. Christensen talked yeah. about in his book is that when you have a company um, that is at the size of a lot of our clients, um, thinking differently is possible. It's just it's diff- it's difficult. Yeah, it's hard um, yeah. because there's not only the the heart change that goes on with all of your employees, but then there's also the I, I'll say the collective heart of the organization itself mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. there's time spent on whether it's re you know learning new skills, retooling. Um, whether it's changing processes that have been in place for five years, whatever that looks like, most people can get there mentally pretty quick. Yeah. It's like this logically makes sense. I have to change my diet. Okay, Every leader has fine.
1: innovation as a budget. I'm going to
0: do it. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to do it. We're going to go into this. Then you open up the fridge and there's chocolate chip cookie dough waiting for you, which was I mean... waiting for me at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, the analogy holds true in our house right now. The analogy holds true. It's like mentally, yes, I need to make this change. But then when it gets down to changing habits, which is connected to emotion, it's hard. And so leading organizations through that change is a real honor and a privilege for us. Um, It's just, it's difficult. And there's a lot of walking them through that Uh, because again, software is a big change. And with that, is there going to be coming? There's going to be change of mindset, which usually is pretty easy to get there. it's really the change of heart, which is connected to culture and process. And what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my work? Uh, but what we find out is that these solutions usually, um, most of the time helps people do
1: really the best work of their lives. I mean, well said, well said, you feel pretty good about that, don't you? I
0: do. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, am going to add one more thing, not yeah. to, this is not, this is kind of just actually to go back to something you said earlier. And actually this is probably one of the biggest challenges we have because large organizations, um, this isn't exclusively true, not, not mutually exclusive. This is large organizations often have gotten what they wanted. Meaning if they wanted to buy something, They threw some money at it. They got it and they kept kept going. And what that means is many organizations, when they start thinking about technology, go, I want Asana. I want Slack. I want Salesforce. All that it does. But I want to own it and it needs to do at least 17 other things so that we're better than Salesforce. Right. And I think... The 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 counseling that we do uh, the most is to set realistic expectations mm-hmm. yeah. for what can and can't be done, and what should or shouldn't be priority right now. Right, and and that helps to then say this this pace of change when you start thinking about technology is actually probably going to reflect what your organization is going to have to go through anyways. But you need to understand. For you to say, I need to have feature parity with all my competitors and also do 16 other things. And oh, by the way, I need it in one hundredths of the time it took for my competitors to make theirs mm-hmm. and at one one thousandth of the cost. Right. And I'm only saying that to say that is the biggest challenge we deal with because people want custom software. It's like. It's emotional. They literally are like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if we had, Mm -hmm. but then like you, you mentioned, then reality sets in Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that this is hard work. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. It is, you're probably going to make a bunch of mistakes before you get it right. And there is risk involved. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you step into something like that? Well, that's why it's called innovation. That's why it's called disruption because it is not everybody's doing it. If everybody was, if it was that easy, everyone would do it, which it feels like it, but not everybody's actually doing it. The few people that are are just getting a lot of press. Mm. And, um, and so I think to combine what you just said, which is that change is, is almost impossible, right? It's not built (laughs) to be that way. And then, the desire is almost as is high, mm-hmm. but then that has to meet with reality. Yep. Um, yep. That all being said, we have clients that are doing it. Yep. We have past clients that have succeeded wildly with the software we built. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I wanted to have an episode to talk about this because oftentimes we talk about the culture of doing all these things, but we don't ever talk about like, what does that look like? What does mm-hmm. that actually end up becoming? What's the output? put of that? What's the outcome of that? And we, I mean, we've got some really, a lot of the I'm unfortunately, a lot of the stories we're not allowed to talk about, but um, there's, there's so many great success stories, whether it was the actual software we built ended up Mm -hmm. being what catapulted them or the way that we worked with our client taught Mm -hmm. that person, that organization, that team, how to work differently. And they went on to be successful in another on the right.
0: That's right. Yep.
1: Hmm. I don't know that i have anything else
0: i rest my case on software solutions
1: all right well we just we just podcast done nothing else to talk about like we should no more episodes oh no 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 oh we got more okay cool we got we got a lot more we got a lot more then dan i'll see you next time
0: i would love that
1: okay see you george This episode of People of Product was produced by Larissa McCarty with support from Gabby Caton, Julie Branson, and Alexa Alfonso. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhart. People of Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.